0: Paul had a great church that he had a trouble with, Galatia. You know, his closest friends were cross-racial and in Galatia because he was a Jew of Jews and these were uh, Gentiles that had ham sandwiches. They were, you know, completely uh, apart and yet they become one in Christ. And he writes to them and he tells them to remember that there are certain laws of God and they've got laws of sowing and reaping, even if it's slow or is unstoppable. If you have your Bible, if you would take it out and stand with me for the reading of God's Word and turn to the book of Galatians, the 6th chapter. It's on page 948 in your pew Bible. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10. That he reminds them about in all of life, it's in true as far as our finances as well as how we live our life, that things will come back to us for good or bad. Together as God's people, let's read aloud verses 7 through 10. And as you read it, listen carefully, you're reading God's Word. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. The grass withers and the bloom fades, but what you just read will never pass away. Well, as we said, as we're uh, celebrating the harvest, and we get ready to, uh, next week. Come before the Lord and nobody will ever know uh, what you give. That's between you and the Lord. No one ever tell you what to give. You're big boys and girls. You pray about it. God will talk to you. But you know, every time it's money, 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 money. The church is always asking for money. And if I give away my money, won't my life be poorer? Well, a lot of places would say no. But what if I don't want to give any money to the church? Well, thankfully, our drama department can help you out. Watch
1: this. Hello, fellow Christians. My name is Dewey Jacobs, self-made millionaire. Today, I want to show you how you can be wealthy just like me. I'm not talking wealthy in the spiritual sense. No, I'm talking about wealthy in the bling-bling sense. Everything behind me came from not tithing. That's right. Not tithing. Now, in case some of you are young in the faith, I've spared no expense to bring in a real pastor to explain what tithing is. Tithing is the time-honored tradition of giving back to God what he gave to us to start with. The normal standard is 10% of our income. The reason we do this is to show our gratitude for the many gifts that God has given to us through our... Yeah, yeah, gratitude. Got it. What I, Stewie Jacob, self-made millionaire figured out, is that if God owns everything, then my tithe isn't going to help his net worth one bit, is it? But it's sure going to help mine, and between you and me, is God really going to miss it? Actually, he... No, he's not. And since God gave everything to me, if I gave any of it back, that'd be rude. So here's what I do. Every time they pass a collection plate in church, I just drop in a thank you note. I figure, so long as God knows I appreciate his gifts, we're good. What? And that's just one of the many money-making ideas I have in my new book, Tithing Tricks. This book gives you simple step-by-step instructions on how you, too, can be a self-made millionaire just like me, Stewie Jacobs, Self-made millionaire. Check this out. When you buy Tithing Tricks, Volume 1, you'll learn such tricks as the palm. Simply take your tithe and put it in the palm of your hand. As the offering plate approaches, you turn your palm over. Act like you're putting your dollar into the plate, never actually releasing the dollar. And since you're a dollar richer, you say, praise the Lord. It's just that easy. Doesn't that sound great? No. But hold on, what if you're not good with your hands? Try this oldie but goodie, untie your shoe at the beginning of the service. As the offering plate approaches, notice your shoe's untied. Simply bend over and lace up. You're a little richer, so praise the Lord. It's almost idiot proof, but hold on, what if you're an idiot? No problem! You can still be stinking rich by using some of my idiot-proof tithing tricks in Chapter 3. First, sit in church as if nothing is wrong. Then casually bring out a jar of bees. As the offering plate approaches, open your jar and yell, Bees! Bees are everywhere! Then, run! And since you get to keep your cash, praise the Lord! Hey, you can't judge me. You're just a random pastor. Besides, I'm rich. And you can be too, just like me, Stewie Jacob, self-made millionaire. Don't delay. Order today. Praise the Lord. <laughs>
0: when God created this cosmos... And he spoke it into existence. He created certain rules and laws that are a reflection of who God is. And they seem sometimes counterintuitive until you get behind and realize there's a deeper law going on. When an airplane flies, the law of gravity is not broken, but the law of aerodynamics with thrust and lift is higher and it lifts it. When a boat down here that's made of metal is floating in Long Beach Harbor... The metal all of a sudden didn't become more buoyant than the water. But Archimedes' principle of the water's displacing holds it up. Light shining on me right now is both a particle, a photon, and yet when it behaves according to the wave theory laws, it's not a contradiction. And one of the greatest laws in your life and mine, I mean this, and if you learn this, is the law of sowing and reaping. When you sow... It seems like at best, so slow. You do something good and nothing comes back. Or at worst, a waste. Like you just threw it away. But the laws of God's reaping the harvest it is both timed and proportionate directly to what you and I plant. And Bel Air, with the mission that we have of trying to make this the greatest city for Christ working with other churches and ministries. We have got to learn this. I'm not talking about some cheesy get-rich scheme where God is the ultimate mutual fund or the big slot machine in the sky that you can bribe Him or buy your way. No, no. I'm talking about sovereignly decreed laws of God. And the life of love and joy and peace we long for and only God can give goes right from your heart through your wallet. God doesn't need our money, but He knows our heart is tied around it. And when we find the freedom there is in sowing and then reaping, it yields unbelievable benefits because the harvest is exponentially, innumerably larger than the little bit of seed used. In fact, you and I, the benefit-to-cost ratio of obeying God is going to literally take all eternity for us to fully comprehend and be blessed by Well, let's take a look at this first question the law of sowing you got your bible Turn with me over to second corinthians and the ninth chapter It's on page 942 in your pew bible And Paul's writing to another church at corinth Now paul has been trying to raise money for a poor his home church back in jerusalem a famine had hit the land, and he was going around asking and raising money. And he already went up to the... Actually, if you look over in the 8th chapter, sorry, on page 941, he says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia, northern Greece. Look at this a strange coupling of words. During a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Wow, what a strange coupling of words. Severe affliction, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, rich generosity. Giving to the Lord is not just a luxury for the wealthy. It is a privilege of the poor. And I will tell you some of the most remarkable people that are joy-filled are those very often that don't have much coin and they love the Lord and their great joy is in giving what they have. It's not about how much we have or how much we give. The question is our heart and in proportion to that. Okay, look over at chapter 9 now in verse 6. So he's telling them, the Macedonians, they were starving to death. They had their own famine. And what they had, they're sending it to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, to a Jewish church. They're Gentiles. And he said to help them out. Let's read verses 6 through 9 together out loud. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance. So that by always having enough of everything... You may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Sowing in the immediate seems like a waste. Probably about 7,000 years ago, some woman or man did something that would look absolutely psychotic and it changed the world forever. They were gathering food and he or she went into a field and took a handful of good Wheat or seed, emmer wheat probably. Looks more like salt grass than it does wheat. And rather than eating it, even though they were so hungry, they made a hole in the ground with their foot and they poured it in and they covered over with dirt. And what looked like a waste of wealth birthed the agrarian revolution. And society could now grow. And from that they learned they didn't have to gather and search all the time. They could stay and grow in multitude. Now, to the people standing around, they probably thought, they're nuts. Take something good and pour it into the ground. And even if it, that looks like a loss, and isn't that true? Like when you decide to actually skip the third dessert, it feels like loss. I know it does in my heart. <laughs> or when you're working out, and you're going, oh, this is getting me nowhere, but giving me dry heaves, you know, nothing's going on. And you stop and look like nothing's changed. If you're patient, it does. Have you noticed that sometimes it takes a while to make friends? I remember uh, going out with this girl and after a couple of times I said, "Eh, so what do you think? We'll get married and she went home. I don't understand that. Sometimes have you noticed when you pull up a plant to keep checking the roots, it dies. Have you noticed that? (laughs) And sometimes when you write out a check or you give to the Lord your time like you're doing or your talent or the hard money you work for and nothing comes back instantly, And what Paul is saying is, no, 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 no. There is a timing of the harvest. And the timing of the harvest means that you're able to let it go and to let it grow in God's ways, in God's time. It's interesting. Moses, when he has his staff, and God says, what do you have in your hand? He goes, a shepherd's staff. God says, throw it down in Exodus 3. And the staff of Moses becomes God's staff. And he parts the Red Sea with it. But he had to let go of it. The woman, remember the widow who was uh with about ready to starve to death. She had a little bit of oil and a little bit of grain. And Elisha shows up, the preacher and says, What do you got? She goes, Just a little. He goes, Well, make me a meal. She goes, Well, he goes, yeah, make me a meal. And she's going, This is all we've got. He goes, I know. But anyway, put yourself, go ahead, take a little pizza for yourself. Uh She said, all right. And she starts to pour it out. And he says, get another pot, get another pot. And it kept pouring out as long as she had something to receive it. The point being that God calls us that when we give, it looks like you're losing, but you're getting it back. The children of Israel, if they didn't leave Egypt and go into the Sinai Desert, they would never have found the promised land. Jesus gathers 5,000 men besides women and children. He says, do we have any food? And the disciples go, no. There's some little kid there with his lunch. Five loaves and two fish. Two Big Macs and a supersized fry. That's all he's got. Jesus takes it. He says, because the boy wanted to give it, he says, I have this. And everybody ate. And when the Lord comes to you and I and says, I want you to be obedient and trust me in this, you really can hold back. I think most Christians fail in this area perhaps as much as we fail in our prayer lives. And I think the two are connected. And most Christians will live their life, even the big talkers about tithing, and never really learn the joy of what it is to give to the Lord. And again, I'm not talking about bribing him or some get-rich-scheme instantly. I'm talking about being obedient. God doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. He asks you to give what you do have. Possessions are good things. As long as you possess them, they don't possess you. Wealth and affluence can become a narcotic. The Dead Sea is dead, and it's the same water from the Sea of Galilee. Why is it dead? It has no outlet. You know that. And there are a lot of people right now that I have friends. And God is blessing them so much with uh, material blessings and success in their careers. And they've got such a little trickle coming out. You can tell the toxic salt water building up in their veins already. And the only way out to get life back into the sea is to let it out. This is just a rule that God has made. And God really likes his rules. He thinks he's God. I don't know if you know that. And he oversees all this. Again, I want to keep emphasizing, this is not a thing about trying to buy or bribe your way into God's heart. It's finding the joy that's there. And as we sow, it takes time. These precious little kids. Who is going to tell them about Christ? Who's going to stand by their parents and keep them from falling through divorce? And God forbid, if they go through divorce, who's going to stand by them? It's the church. Our student ministries. This flower arrangement is from Kevin Deverich. Uh, He died last week from lung cancer, left behind his wife and two kids. We have coming up Thursday, sweet lady, Lara. Her third child just died from lupus. He's 18 years old. He loved this church. He, when they were in Arcadia, he made them drive over here to come over here to be with the youth group. Who's going to stand by her and who's going to stand by at that time? It's the church. I believe in giving to the American Cancer Society. I've done that American Heart. I believe in supporting the arts. It's the rich stuff. But who's the one that gives the meaning to life and who alone brings the kingdom? It's the church. And so whether you are supporting Bel Air or wherever, that's between you and the Lord. Except for one thing. If this is your home church, I want your oar in the water deep. I want you involved. Why? Because your heart follows it. And it'll take time. But I tell you, when we honor the Lord, you know why we have this facility right now? Because somebody sacrificed. And think of the harvest it's had. And likewise, as we're putting up these facilities, and as Looking on the south side and later a mission church as God is guiding and leading. It, but at certain points you have to be obedient. Well, there's this time of patience. I'm told that bamboo takes, I read this over at the Huntington Gardens. Um, I was lost over there once. But as that it takes 18 months to 24, bamboo will only grow about a foot. Then, at two years, it will grow up to a foot a day. It takes that long to create the root structure of what it's doing. And then when it hits that, bang, it grows. And I think you and I, very often, we sow into this and we wait and we wait. And God sees, will we be faithful? Will we be faithful? Will we be faithful? Bang! And then the growth takes off as far as saying, can you handle it now? And it all starts. Now, again... Every time that Carol and I have written a check to, to Bel Air or other ministers we serve outside, it's not necessarily I wake up in the morning and go, look, at, there's money out front. Imagine. And all the time it, it costs us sometimes. I remember giving to the Lord and telling my children they couldn't eat. No, I'm kidding about that. But <laughs> If you do that, that's not honoring God. You take care of that. But what is important is to find out that in the point right now where God has our lives, this treasure principle... Well, the laws of sowing look slow and like a waste, but the laws of reaping are timed and incomparable. If you can time a market, a lot of people go broke doing this, but a lot of people get rich, you're good. You better learn how to time a harvest if you're in agriculture or you starve to death. You don't start planting at the beginning of winter or you die. You plant in the springtime so that you can have the harvest for the winter. And any of us in here that think, you know, as soon as I get my life together or when life actually slows down a little bit, then I'll start honoring the Lord, Here's a newsflash. Not going to do it. You don't honor Him now. You're smoking dope. You think you're going to honor Him when it gets harder. Things don't, that's a Hebrew expression, that (laughs) things don't get, you don't all of a sudden get generous when life gets hard you tend to be this way unless you've learned how to do that then there is great joy with that the quality and the quantity of the gift is what matters the quality of the gift is what's behind your heart it's not the gift of the lover it's the love of the giver when you give something to somebody i uh, shared uh, about a, a wedding gift that i had been given once carol and i we had to Get a gift for a friend of ours at their shower and she told me to go buy something, but I was in a rush So I just took the gift and Rewrapped it I, of course. I forgot that I'd taken one of the knives out of the set. They were really moody about that whole thing, but and they thought you know, what are you giving me this for mark? You give God your leftover chump change Of time and of money You don't think that hits an emotional spot in God He provides everything, and then we say, you know, God, if I have something left over, I'll squeeze you in. He says, really? In the book of Malachi, he says, do you know why your life is going nowhere? Because you're stealing from me. And they say, how can you steal from God? He says, by withholding your tithes and offerings. The tithe belongs to me. Well, 10%. Well, that's an Old Testament. That's legalistic. Okay, you start with 15%. You don't want to go to the New Testament because in the New Testament, like Zacchaeus says to Jesus, I will repay fourfold in the Acts Old and half of all that I own I will give to the poor. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. In the book of Acts, they liquidate their assets and give it all the way to help the poor. You want to be an Old Testament Christian is what you want to be. They are crazy in the New Testament. And so as you come before the Lord and say, and again, it's not bribing Him. It's saying, God... I want to give this to you. So what keeps us from doing that? Well, one couple things. First of all is Randy Alcorn in his little book, The Treasure Principle, said he found that most Christians don't give to the Lord because they think this world is their home. And they're making their home nice not knowing it's a highway. This is not where you're staying. Carolyn and I, in a couple of weeks, head over to Oxford for our sabbatical. And we got some, by the way, not only do we have a great staff here, we got some great preachers. I got a phone call. I didn't tell the nine o'clock this because she was at it. She got called up two weeks ago and said, Pastor, when are the good preachers coming? I said, uh, she said, no, you're good, but when are the real good ones coming? I said, well, two weeks. just hold on. But, uh, but when Carol and I go over there, we have a little place outside of Oxford. Do you know what, one thing I know I'm not going to do? I'm not going to buy any furniture for the place we're renting. That's not my home. My home's here. I'm going to live there. Yeah, I'm going to study there not buying anything for the house. This is where I belong. This world is not your home. You can't take it with you, as they said. But you can send it ahead. This is not a thing about buying God. It's about conversion ratios monetarily. From pounds or euros to dollars, from the funny money on the earth that God uses to bless, as Jesus said, to the true wealth in heaven. This is a thing of where you can feed the poor and take care of these kids and come along people are going through loss. The good news of Christ, the great things you're doing. When Elias and I, when we were down, as you go down after the service to find out about the mission trips uh, right down here in the Ray Wilson room, if you came in late for that little nosh to eat together and to find out, I want to tell you, when we met with this pastor down in Manaus as well as the one in Caracas, and Elias' thing, it says... What can we do to help you? What can we do together? And then he says to them? Here's what you can do for us You can send two pastors on your nickel to Los Angeles to reach the Brazilians or the Venezuelans or all the Arabs and particularly reaching the Muslims here and I gonna tell you this pastor looked at me and through his translator. He teared up He said no one ever asked us to help them from America We said well come help evangelize LA. It's wacky but this kind of partnership, this kind of the music here, if you haven't gone to the 9 o'clock service, you've got to try what Mark Aaron had this Reveille's Piano Concerto of trying to reach the arts to claim for Christ, this reaching out with crazy abandon. That's why it's so important that you're a part of this. And if you can't support here, I don't know how to lovingly say this, find a church you can support. How crazy that you'd attend a church and not support it financially. There's some really great churches. There's some nutty ones out there, but there's some really great churches out there you can get involved with. I'd love to have you be a part of this and to say, yeah, God's leading. So not only do we not, because we think the world is our home, the speed of life. Oh my goodness, we are the biggest ADD generation in the history of mankind. It's like everybody's on a quadruple espresso. And so because we're running so fast, we can't make friends. And, and you know what? spiritually you can't grow the first thing god hallowed was time shabbat time unless you have rest you can't get holy and we're driving on the highway 80 miles an hour rolling down our window throwing seed out wondering why the harvest is scattered all around you want to be diversified financially you never want to be fractured and scattered because you won't make any money and spiritually why it's so important that you are involved at bel-air if this is your home church Some pastors think the first 10% goes to Bel Air, and then if you want to give anything else, outside. I don't necessarily believe that. Carolyn and I happen to choose to be doing that at this moment, but that's between you and the Lord. But if you don't have a small group that can love you and know you and hold you accountable and laugh with you, you're not going to grow. And if you don't financially commit to someplace so you can hold us accountable with the money that you have given and we can hold you accountable, God's not going to give a harvest into your life. But when you sow, there will be a reaping. You know, if you were a thief and you were holding up about six liquor stores a week and you became a Christian and you said, you know, God has so touched my life, I'm going to only knock off three stores this week. We'd say, no. If you were an alcoholic and you said, you know, I've been drunk, hammered all day long, but now I want to get off it. I'm only going to be drunk half a day. That's not called sobriety and we say well god i'm going to just you know kind of tip you right now but and i'll slowly grow up that direction no you can't give what you don't have and don't do anything silly to try to bribe god so he'll give you more money but until we get to the point say god i'm going to step out and when you step out he so answers i had a gentleman tell me after the last service he said tell people that god takes care of them now some people he blesses financially more than others I have no idea why. Particularly when you meet the people that are blessed. I have no idea (laughs) why. Honestly. And it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be infinitely rich in this world, in this time, no matter what our drama video says. (laughs) But it does mean that the Lord will take care of you. I want to tell you, for the last 30 years of leading ministry and being a pastor, I've got to watch a lot of lives. And I watch the ones that are talking about serving god but you know that they don't give anything and there's a hollowness and an anxiety to their life i don't care how many millions they got in the bank and then you meet the women and the men that honor the lord they don't brag about or talk about it and there is a joy and a peace you keep 90 percent. you have just doubled the joy you can enjoy that when you honor god with the first 10 percent that belongs to him anyway That's why it is possible, I've said before, you can have as great a time when you're walking with the Lord, having a meal at Denny's as you could at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. And that's an exaggeration. But something very close to that, (laughs) that you could... God takes care of you in all sorts of ways. I need you. We're on the verge here. Making, working with other churches and ministries and we're connecting together really, it's getting ready, kind of the bamboo stage of going into the heart of the enemy territory in this city in a serious way. We are really getting ready to punch through some of those walls in a fantastic way. I wish I could tell you some of the leaders in the market and politically and from other faiths that offline meet with me and say, tell me about what you believe. Not because of me, but because you have interacted with them. And that's why we need everybody involved in next Sunday in this great celebration. I want you to commit. Any of you, that get a chance, they sign up to go over to Cairo. If you go looking for a particular grave, you'll find one by the name of William Borden. If any of you are from the East Coast, the Borden family was an extremely wealthy family. He graduated from Yale in the 1930s, and he felt a call. He gave his life to Christ to become a missionary. He took all the inheritance he had as a Borden, and he liquidated it, and he went over to Cairo. And he loved the Arab Muslim people. And he told them about Jesus, and he kept telling about them how hard it was. And he sold, and he gave away everything that he had, and he contract- contracted meningitis and died at 26. And on his grave over there, gave away all the wealth that he had, one of the rich families of America, to go die for the Muslim Arabs in Cairo. And the grave says this, quote, apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life, unquote. Who would do that? Somebody in love with the Lord. Somebody who knew what wealth was about. Do you see, and I really pray that when we interact with people down in the valley and the west side and downtown, that they'll say, how can you explain what those people are doing except they're in love with this Jesus guy? You timing your harvest? You know the best time to plant a tree? 25 years ago. You know the second best time? Today. You know the best time to sow spiritually and say, Lord, I want to honor you? 25 years ago. Because you know that nothing can come to you and take it away. You know the second best time? Today. Therefore, Paul said, those who sow sparingly reap sparingly, but those who sow bountifully reap bountifully. Smart way to live. Let's pray, shall we? God, I thank you that you have called us not to be some kind of fans of yours or admiring followers that stand 100 yards off and applaud you. That God, you won't tolerate that. That you called us to be your very daughters and your very sons. And that Lord, you have come and tackled us with your love, even when we were running away from you, shaking our fist at you. And you would not escape, let us escape that great mercy of yours. Lord, I thank you. You don't want our money. You don't need that you want our hearts and they're wrapped together Lord, I pray for anybody in this room though that they have never made peace with you yet The lord that you would give them this ability To respond to that voice If you've heard another voice tugging at your heart besides mine and you sense it's the lord To become a christian. You don't need a perfect life or to live a Life without sin christ did that for you All you have to do is say jesus. I believe you died on that cross for me My face was on your heart when you said it's finished And that lord, I believe that you were alive and that you were coming back And though I don't understand it I take all I know of me and I give it to all I know of you lord I want to change direction and follow you And you do that and you'll begin a relationship with him forever Thank you christ for this great joy. What a time to be alive lord. Thank you for the mission of bel-air May we be a blessing to others and may jesus get all the credit Now as we come before you with our tithes and our offerings, bless the gift and the giver alike so that Christ may reign more fully. For his sake we pray, amen.